0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. This week the Seahawks are 2 and 0 heading into week 3 against the 1 and 1 New Orleans Saints. And joining me to preview Sunday's matchup is Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints Podcast. Ross is also the lead analyst on All Saints Considered. Ross, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Brandon. Man, thanks so much for inviting me on. Looking forward to talking some uh, some Saints and, and, and Seahawks with you, man. Old, old, old big storylines here.
0: Yeah, yeah. We there's some history between these two teams. Obviously, even going back to you know the year after the, the you, you guys won the Super Bowl and came yeah. in to face the seven and nine Seahawks in our building in the playoffs. And uh, you know we've had a lot of playoff matchups. It seems like in between, and I'm kind of disappointed though because. Going into this game against the Saints, I had it all planned out. Go into the game, you know, Russell Wilson versus Drew Brees. Russell right, always right. looking up to Drew Brees <laughs> as, as kind of his idol. And then. Drew Breeze goes down against the
1: Rams. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, it was rough. That was probably one of the darkest days in the Saints franchise history. Amongst the Hootah Nation, like City of New Orleans, you could just feel it everywhere. Fans all over the place, you could feel it everywhere. But, you know, everybody's kind of on a little bit of an upswing right now. This has been a little bit of a, uh, a, a kind of a surprise to me in terms of what my expectation was coming into this week you know, knowing Sunday night what had happened and then Monday morning finding out that Drew Brees was going to be out for six to eight weeks. You, usually you hear six weeks uh, for this injury. And so uh, you, you kind of expect it to be a little bit more. I don't want to say doom and gloom, but certainly a little bit more dejection, but uh, not not a lot, not a lot going on right now. It's a lot of excitement instead.
0: Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with your head coach I, as a as a Seahawks fan, just from the outside, I, I look at what the Saints have done in the past and having Sean Payton as the head coach, if I if it were any other team, I don't know if I would be as excited as a fan going into the next week without our future Hall of Fame quarterback. But when you have Sean Payton and, and just some of the trickery that he brings and, you know, you have Taysom Hill, you have Teddy Bridgewater just kept Bridgewater knowing that, you know, Drew Brees getting up in age. It's uh I, I can see where there might be some excitement going into this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're looking at this head coach that since 2006 has been on the forefront of many innovations throughout the NFL so far and throughout and always sort of revitalizing his game plan, kind of evolving with the game and evolving with the changing NFL game. Because the NFL game of 2019 is very different than the NFL game of 2006. And you've seen him continue to change, continue to work. And now here he is faced with this big challenge, certainly one that he would never want, certainly one that he would never ask for being without his Hall of Fame quarterback. But he's definitely kind of relishing in this a little bit and is really kind of looking forward. You can tell that he's kind of looking forward to taking this one on head on and uh, figuring out what he can do with these two guys that he's still got in the locker room. This quarterback room from the beginning of the year, many Saints fans have, have argued that this is the best quarterback room in the NFL, which are Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, and Taysom Hill. Now there's an opportunity to really get a good look at the other two guys and then see what they can do, whether it be together in tandem or you know a primary versus a secondary, sort of the way that. We we've seen Taysom Hill work before lots of questions about how it is that they're going to move into this with these two guys, but you know, Sean Payton being as cheeky as ever, you know, you're assuming Taysom Hill's the number two quarterback. He said to, a, uh, he said to one of the guys during a press conference. And so, uh, he's, he's really kind of, uh, enjoying the, well, I don't want to say enjoying, but he's definitely not shying away from this, uh, this challenge here. Now he definitely
0: wants to make the Seahawks think that there is that potential that, that Taysom Hill could be the actual starting quarterback and get most of the snaps, but what do you think as a fan? Do you think he'll see a, a few more plays within the game, and and majority be Teddy Bridgewater, or would you accept? Would you not be shocked if it was Taysom Hill under
1: center uh, coming out for the first snaps? Uh, I mean, I will, I will openly admit that no one knows, right? No (laughs) no one knows because it's Sean Payton. (laughs) So Sean Payton, Sean Payton maybe doesn't even know right now, but uh, you know, with me looking at it from my perspective and what we've talked about amongst the media here is that a lot of it is, you know, a lot of us are leaning toward the idea that Teddy Bridgewater is your starter. There's not really any real question about that in our minds that Teddy Bridgewater is your guy. And then you're going to see Taysom Hill get mixed in. I mean, you're used to seeing Taysom Hill get mixed in at the quarterback position even with Drew Brees on the field a handful of times or so throughout a game he introduces that zone read the RPOs and then he's shown especially over the preseason leading into the season in particular and as well as through training camp that he's improved a bit as a passer as well in terms of his progressions and making the right read and making good decisions and so you're seeing all of that as a part of his game so you'll probably see him step in on a few more of those quarterback um, those quarterback snaps and actually take more snaps from the quarterback position so if I'm looking at it I'm thinking that it's maybe somewhere around a 75-25 split maybe even as big as an 85 to 15 percent split but keeping that in mind you're still going to see Taysom Hill more than you would usually see him if Drew Brees were under center. I, I do have to I lean that way myself because I
0: think of the fact that the Saints, they decided to stay on the West Coast after playing mm-hmm. the Rams. And unless they changed things up and, and they went back to New Orleans. But I, I thought I heard that they were staying out here. And, you know, it's a tough time to take an injury like that because now you have to turn around and not only deal with the challenges of not going home and and staying, uh, you know, tr- trying to find places of practice and and just not being in your home. But now you mm-hmm. have to kind of tweak your game plan to something that you had no intentions of because you were thinking you're going to go into week three with Drew Brees.
1: Yeah, right. No, you're absolutely right. They did stay in way. They traveled straight up to Washington. They stayed on the West Coast or practicing uh, at the Huskies, uh, the Washington Huskies arena or, or stadium rather. Mm-hmm. And so they're uh, they're out there. But you're right. I mean, that presents its own set of challenges. It's probably a better alternative than flying back and then, Coming and then going back out to to Seattle, doing that two thousand plus mile trip. It was their only two thousand plus mile trip uh, on the. Their, Seahawks on their do schedule.
0: this all year, Ross. Oh, you yeah. will
1: not hear any sympathy for me. <laughs> 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 Fly back home and come back in a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I got to keep in context who I'm talking to here. No, but that's absurd. I mean, like, that would be out of the ordinary for the Saints, and so they tried to simplify the process a little bit. But then, of course, you throw probably the biggest wrinkle possible that you can. Throw at them uh, this week, or that they can have thrown at them this week. And so it does complicate the matter a little bit when they were hoping to simplify matters for themselves. But even with that, I mean, there's still a general sense of excitement about what it is exactly that Sean Payton's going to try to do with these guys. I mean, you talk about the two quarterback system, the two quarterback snaps. The Saints have taken more snaps than all of the other teams combined with two quarterbacks on the field since 2018, I think they're outnumbered the NFL, the rest of the NFL, 206 to 96. Mm. And so it's, I mean, this is not entirely out of the ordinary for them, but using it as a primary focus in their game plan and their game planning makes a lot more sense. But you can see that, the organization likes to make the smart choice, right? They stay on the West Coast. They give their guys the opportunity to not have to, have to do that travel, which is out of the ordinary for them. If they can make that smart choice, then I think you make the right and smart choice by starting Teddy Bridgewater and keeping Teddy Bridgewater for the majority of your game as your guy, as your game manager. You know that he has that in him. He's a cerebral one of the two. I mean, Taysom's obviously the more exciting guy because of the sort of expansive athleticism that he brings to the position and all of the different things that he can do for you. But in terms of uh, being a game general, being a game manager and moving the offense down the field and giving him the opportunity to install a game plan and use that, make those pre-snap reads, make the right choices, that's all going to be Teddy Bridgewater and you're going to put that in his hands.
0: So we've we've covered the quarterback position well, but I think as Seahawks fans, one of our biggest concerns is when we look at that Saints defensive line and see some of the numbers that that front four has put up in those first two weeks. I talk about some of the guys on the defensive line
1: and how how your feeling has been about them so far this season. Yeah, I mean, like you're looking at with that uh, defensive line right now, they've generated the best pass rush in the NFL so far. Over two games, of course, let's make sure that everybody understands this is a very limited small sample size, just the first two games of the season. But regardless, I mean, they've, they've put on pressure against a very weak offensive line in Houston and then against a very good offensive line in Los Angeles, including Marcus Davenport last week, getting seven pressures on his own up against a very good Los Angeles Rams offensive line. Same thing with... David Onyemata, who's now returned after his one-game suspension, he piled on six pressures last game. Uh, Cam Jordan has gotten a sack in each of these games, and Trey Hendrickson, the third defensive end for the Saints, who really stepped, he's really started to step up in his third year in the NFL. He's somebody that's kind of been wavering for the first two years. We were hoping for a big sort of big leap for him going into his third year and he's shown it so far he's got three sacks over the two games tied for fourth in the NFL right now sort of the last guy that anybody really expected and if you did guess uh, Trey Hendrickson please call me give me the lottery numbers <laughs> so I can figure out what's going on because if you guess that guy then you've got something going on for you and that's good but uh but yeah I this pass rush has been really really beneficial for the Saints especially as the secondary continues to sort of find its groove they're dealing with an injury right now to Alex Anzalone he's on injured reserve he should be back after those eight weeks but you Know, that's a big change for them in their both their nickel packages as well as their base four three package and so that's a big big shift for them to have to make on the second level so they're going to be relying on that pass rush to try to make Russell Wilson as uncomfortable as you can make Russell Wilson I don't believe really in making Russell Wilson uncomfortable I guess you can do it but he's so comfortable on the move he's so comfortable extending plays and those wide receivers are so in tune with him they work so well together their chemistry is incredible in terms of knowing where to be in order to help Russell Wilson get out of trouble that's something that Seattle has always done well we've seen it we've seen it punch the Saints in the throat before years ago um, and so that's something that you know this that that's what's going to present the specific challenge here going from Houston into to L.A. It was the upgrade of the offensive line going from L.A. to Seattle. The big thing is going to be Russell Wilson's magician like ability to extend plays. Yep. It's it's
0: definitely a different challenge for the Saints this week. But, you know, you get you have some challenges of your own, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Anzalone went to IR this week. Is there any news that Sheldon Rankins could be coming back for this game?
1: Uh, there are some very, very, very light whispers, whispers that can barely be heard in the dark, but I, I don't see that happening. Uh, he was limited again in practice today. He was limited all last week as well as yesterday. I think he's coming back from that Achilles injury, and he kind of just got to a point to where the rehabilitation stuff was kind of done, and the only thing that they could do is put him out there and see how he fared you know there wasn't really a lot more progress that he could make with his rehabilitation so they did that a couple of weeks ago brought him up from you know uh, kept him from starting the uh, the season on that NFI list and that was really helpful in getting him to the place where he's there but I, I would expect to see a full week of full participation practices before he really gets involved I would kind of be surprised uh, if he ended up being involved in this game and if he is involved at all I don't expect that it would be very much maybe just to get him out there for game speed and see how he handles himself, but certainly I, I don't expect to see him present, and that that's a big deal for the Saints, because they've struggled in the run game. You know, the first game of the season, they allowed over 7 yards per carry. Against the Rams, they allowed over 100 yards, only really 3.8 yards per carry, so it wasn't as much uh, of an issue consistently throughout, but also the course of that game changed really, really quickly for everyone involved, and so the game plans on both ends kind of shifted there, and the, the Rams saw so much success in the passing game that they didn't really need to do much uh until it got to the point where they needed to run out the clock and so with that being the case they're going up against the Seattle team that loves to run the ball that was you know first in the NFL in rushing yards per game last year and so without Sheldon Rankins that's going to leave a pretty big hole especially up up the middle and in the interior for the uh for the Seahawks to be able to take advantage of
0: so there sounds like there's some concern on the defensive line with stopping the run how about the your situation in the secondary
1: Secondary is getting a really interesting. It's probably the best way that I can describe it. You know, uh Marcus Williams going into his third season. He had a great rookie year, didn't do so hot his his second year last year, but wasn't terrible. And then this year, you know, he gets the big interception in the Houston game, but there's still a lot of fundamental things that you see him doing. He'd rather backpedal and keep his hips to the quarterback as opposed to switch to as opposed to switch his hips and then get in line with the wide receiver and try to run the route with the receiver when they enter his zone. Entering you know, receivers entering and leaving his zones. He's having a little bit of trouble with that in terms of knowing when to pass somebody off and switch to the next route. And so it ends up leaving these big, massive holes in the middle of the field when he's playing down on a cover three, for instance. And so those types of sort of mental parts of the game, he's been still been struggling with through these first two games. So that's something that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, safety concerns, uh, not really something new here in New Orleans at mm-hmm. all, uh, because, you know, we've had a long history of that. But if he's able to give, kind of make those adjustments and if he's able to start making those reads like he was able to do on that big interception that he had against Houston before getting German suplexed by DeAndre Hopkins uh, then he'll definitely be able to improve his play which will help improve the rest of the secondary you you saw Marshawn Lattimore struggle a little bit last week but when you go back and you watch the tape honestly the dude was blanketed all over uh, Brandon Cooks on the big 57 yard catch and he was blanketed all over Cooper Cup on the 66 yard what was nearly a touchdown um, and, and you know a part of that is just look Jared Goff put the ball in the right place he had a very tight window and he did it and it's one of those those types of passes where it's either going to be incomplete or it's going to be a big play it's going to be one or the other um, and that ended up being a big play and of course you know Marshall Lattimore also got tackled by Marcus Williams so that didn't help but uh, so you know there's a little bit of anxiety around the secondary for most Saints fans but when you really look at it you're really Take a look at it. A lot of it is, I don't want to call it sort of mental. Uh, But a a lot of them are mental errors uh, more than technique. And then the other part of it is just, you know, like sometimes it bees like that. Sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles and that's just what it is. But when you look at what the Saints defense was able to do over the course of the first half against LA before the offensive drives for the Saints ended up being, you know, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute. Um, And then the offense, the defense had to continue to keep just turning around and coming right back out on the field. They ended up getting gas and that's when those three straight touchdowns happened toward the end of the game or Toward the in the second half, Mm -hmm. and that's really what made the difference for that game because otherwise they were still hanging in it, even with Drew Brees gone. They were down by three going into halftime, and they were actually looking pretty good. But that defense just got to a point where it got worn out because the offense couldn't really move the ball. You know, there was no game plan there for them to do so. So, I'm looking to see an improved defense and hopefully improvement in the secondary this
0: week. Well, the Saints did hang in there against the Rams, and part of the reason why you weren't up on the Rams early on was because some. More errors in officiating, and I want to talk about that with you coming up after the break, Ross. Chatting with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints going into the week three game between New Orleans and Seattle. And I brought it up before the break. I know this is a little bit of a sore spot when it comes to Saints fans, uh, but officiating mistakes. You know, you go back to the NFC Championship last year. You have the the issue in Week One against Houston, where they couldn't seem to figure out the right amount of time to to, the, to be on the clock. And then the officials don't allow a fumble to play out, uh, and and you guys, you know, essentially stripped from a touchdown. That's three straight games. Is there any concern that that going into a game against Seattle now, it's going to be there's going to be some other call by the officials that's just
1: going to ruin Saints fans' day? I oh man, look. <sighs> I hope not. That's like, that's the best. That's really the, the most that I can say is I hope not because look, you're right. It's been three games in a row at this point that the saints have faced something like this. The NFL has had to come out or NFL officiating rather has had to come out and apologize. But of Ken, no, no accountability, which was the big issue with the Nola no call thing in the uh, NFC Championship game, was you know no accountability from the NFL at all. We're seeing that again as it plays out. And look, I, I wasn't one of those guys that was in support of a lawsuit. I wasn't one of those guys that was all about let's replay the game or whatever. Look, the game happened. That's the way that it ended. It, it, it's over, right? Move on. And uh, and the Saints franchise is very much the same way about moving on. And it, it's an interesting thing to continue to hear it through the media. You know, um, oh Saints, Saints eat the to move on. But also, let's talk about the officiating problems the Saints are facing. And so it's been this really interesting sort of dichotomy that they've been playing. But that's that's just what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the NFL's sake, because also, I mean, you don't even have to just look at the Saints games. You can look really all around. You can look at the phantom holding call that ended the Chargers uh, the Chargers game. Mm-hmm. You can look at the the ridiculous uh, uh, roughing the passer penalty that both Jamal Adams and Bradley Chubb had this past week. And so there's just there's ample. Uh, evidence out there for NFL officiating just struggling really early and really, really bad, really poorly this season. And uh, so, you know, I mean, look, if something happens again uh, with the saints in Seattle, uh, I, I I can't guarantee, I can't, I don't know how to say this because I don't want to like, I I don't want to say anybody's going to get hurt because that's not really what it is. But I'm just like, if you think saints fans have been bad on social media already, like if this happens again, they're going to go nuts. Everybody's going to go nuts, and it's going to be a really, really tough time for the NFL uh, when you know these guys have to come back to the Superdome in Week Four to officiate another primetime game against the Cowboys. There's so much fodder there, <laughs> and uh, you know Saints fans aren't going to make it easy on NFL officiating when they come back to New Orleans.
0: Well, Ross, I'll just say for the sake of all Saints fans in this game. I hope you get blown out by twenty, because then none of the calls matter.
1: That's it. That's it. <laughs> there you go. Everybody wins that way. No. Every, every, well, mostly wins. mostly Seahawks <laughs> fans. But yeah, <laughs> uh, no, man. It, it's it's tough. It's tough. Because I mean you I mean yeah, I mean you could say that, but even when you look at this game, right? The the this the game with the Rams last week, it was what a seventeen I'm oh, sorry, an eighteen point difference. But Arguably you guys were in it say, up until the fourth right. quarter. If if the, if you guys
0: get a, a touchdown there and are up early, and the defense can put pressure, you know, put more pressure on Goff in that second half. I mean, who knows what happens?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, it can be sure the Saints can get blown out by twenty, but depending on when that screw up for the uh, for officiating happens, it, it could still decipher what could have been a big momentum shift and what could have been a big, uh, big chance for the Saints to really come out on top. So even then, maybe maybe it, it, they don't matter. But sometimes that as evident from last week, they absolutely can. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the Saints
0: offense, because, you know, we, t- we talked about quarterbacks, but you guys have some other weapons, too. I mean, Michael Thomas is a stud and, and you know, your your you're running back. Who do Seahawks fans need to really watch for? Really, a part? Is it just Kamara and Thomas, or are there other players on this team that, that we really need to be on the lookout for?
1: Well, Kamara and Thomas definitely, of course, are immediately going to be at the top of the list. And I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention them, especially against uh, the Seahawks defense, which does also have some some struggles at safety going on themselves as well. And so a big part of what it is, or at least from what I understand, talking with some of the other guys uh, in Seattle. But, uh, you know, that that's a big it's a big issue for what really works against Michael Thomas, which sometimes is that bracket coverage or, you know, double, triple teaming him. And so if there's some issues with the safeties and things like that, that's gonna be a little tough to get that done. And so that does, that could potentially open up the field for Michael Thomas. Uh, if the C, if the Seahawks continue to stay in their sort of base four three look and try to match up a linebacker on Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara might be able to get loose in a passing game that way, depending on what that matchup is and if he's able to exploit it and take advantage of it. And if they're able to develop those routes out of the backfield quick enough for Teddy Bridge water to find him then that will be something to also keep an eye out on to where those two guys can essentially be that threat but beyond them um you know jared cook was brought in this offseason big time tight end had his best year last year with a john gruden run um and Derek carr run raiders offense Mm -hmm. that was pretty pretty putrid in terms of what the team was but jared cook was a big shining star out of that and so you bring him into this new orleans uh this new orleans system that has done a really good job with tight ends in the past but they've been in search for one ever since Jimmy Graham was traded away to the Seattle Seahawks, of course, uh, and so with that, you know, Jared Cook's somebody that everybody was very excited about, but hasn't gotten a lot going so far at the top of the season. This could be a big and good game for him, also matching up against the potential of a base defense there, being able to take advantage of and use his speed against some of these linebackers, although there are some speedy linebackers in in uh, in Seattle for sure, but he might be able to take advantage of some of those matchups as well. He's a little bit of a security blanket for Teddy Bridgewater. Usually you say, you know, for a rookie quarterback their best friend is their tight end and it could very well be the same thing for Teddy Bridgewater who's playing in his first meaningful regular season action in four years so you can definitely see that being the case and him being somebody that stands out and other than him the only other person that I'd really mention would be Ted Ginn Jr. but Ted Ginn Jr. has actually been uh, limited for the last two days in practice we'll see what happens with him but if he's able to get in there and stretch the field we've seen how much of a beneficial uh, how, how beneficial that is rather for this Saints offense in terms of being able to open it up and you know run some those clear outs and also now you've got Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill who have more arm strength than what Drew Brees brings to the table and so So if they're able to take some of those deep shots, you can look for them to do that as well.
0: Well, one of the things I'm kind of curious about even is looking at how many the the percentages of pass plays to run plays so far this year. And with a back like Alvin Kamara in the backfield, I kind of expected it to be a little bit more even. But I'm looking at the numbers and 70 percent
1: pass and 30 percent run for the Saints. Yeah, it's actually been pretty shocking. We've we've not really seen the Saints come out, even at the beginning of the game, and try to establish a run game first and then transition into the passing game once they start loading the box, once defenses start loading the box and everything. And a lot of that had to do with just what the structure of that that Houston game ended up being, to where you know, they were essentially trading score for score after a little while, and then this other one to where they were just trying to throw themselves back into the game if they could get there at all, and also getting a good look at Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, this was your real first opportunity to see him against actual competition as opposed to a week seven, Carolina Panthers game and some preseason games mm-hmm. and so you know there was also just some strategy in that as well so I would expect to see them establish the run I wouldn't be surprised to see them take some shots within their first 15 scripted plays though I wouldn't expect to, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that take some shots down the field sort of make the Seattle Seahawks defense respect both the pass and the run and then start to run the ball at that point uh, but and then establish that and then transition back to the pass. Uh, one of the things that Teddy Bridgewater does really well is he operates very well on play action rollouts so you got to set that up though that that doesn't just work at the top of a game you have to set that up though so I'm looking forward to seeing them at least try to get that run game established a little bit more than they have over these last two games well, I am
0: really excited for this matchup on Sunday. It It is such a bummer that Breeze isn't going to be in there, but it it does. I think we're going to see um, a, a game of, of coaching decisions in this game because it's <laughs> for I, I expect this to be close as well, because Pete Carroll, he does not care about trying to put points up early on a team like he'll wait he'll he'll hold off and and not really put the the pedal on the gas and and play it pretty conservatively early on to kind of get a feel of what the other team's trying to do and and so even if the saints you know if, if those scripted plays if, if that gets him up early and they're and the saints are up ahead of the seahawks
1: at halftime it, it really wouldn't shock me as a fan yeah 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 absolutely I think it's gonna be a big one and a a lot of fun man I mean just as a just as somebody that's watching this from the Saints side I'm super excited to see what they do with these quarterbacks if they do go with the two quarterback system or if they keep the split as we expect it to be either way it's gonna be exciting it'll be something that Saints fans haven't seen since Sean Payton came in in 2006 we've seen the same not the same Drew Brees led offense but we've seen a similarly or at least a familiar offense every year with Drew Brees at the helm now all of a sudden week three of the 2019 season we're seeing something we've Never seen before, and going up a very, very going up against a very valiant team and a very valiant challenge in the Seattle Seahawks in an away game in the Clink at that, which is a whole other environment. Uh, one thing that I will say is to keep an eye out on Saints rookie center Eric McCoy and how he handles that crowd noise and that atmosphere mm. in terms of trying to uh, trying to communicate with these with this offense, along with two changing cadences on the quarterback position. Right, so if they're running with both of these guys, Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, you gotta you gotta pay attention to how the cadence changes and how the communication changes, and you have a rookie center there. So something to keep an eye out on in terms of how the fans can affect this game as well. Is that where you would say the weak spot is on the offensive line for the Saints? Well, that's the funny thing is I don't really consider him week after the snap my concern with my concern with him right now is just before the snap in terms of you know diagnosing uh, diagnosing blitzes and diagnosing the defense and setting up protections with the offensive line that communication factor that's my biggest concern with him but once that ball is snapped I'm not really all that too all too concerned about uh, Eric McCoy in particular I am a little bit interested to see what's going to happen to the left of him however if Andres Pete isn't available to go he injured his ankle mm. during that uh, Rams game and he was limited in both the, today's practice and yesterday's and so if he's not available, then you get Nick Easton stepping in there who has played some guard, but we haven't really seen him do that. Uh, you know, he, he would essentially be a new piece to the offensive line at a time where the signal caller is changing and your center's is a rookie. So it's not it's not the best time to, to start swapping out pieces on the offensive line.
0: Yeah, because just looking at pressure numbers for that Saints offensive line, really, Ryan Ramchek is the guy who's given up the most. And mm-hmm. I look at him as being one of your, your best guys on that line.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that just came from that second game up against the Rams, and the mm-hmm. Rams, of course, pack a very great, uh, very, very good pass rushing team. But when you look at the way that he handled himself, Ryan Ramchick did against J.J. Watt, he was magnificent. He was the first player to ever keep J.J. Watt from recording a single stat in his 105 game career. Wow! And so it's you know, so he held up really great during that first week, but then the second week he really struggled as well. So we have to see which one, which version of him shows up going into uh, going into the Seattle game.
0: All right, Ross. Any predictions now going into this game against the Seahawks?
1: Well I'll stick with what I've what I've been saying. I actually had the Saints dropping this game, even with Drew Brees at quarterback. It's just tough to face the face the Seattle Seahawks at as an away game on a back-to-back away uh, trip, and that's always really tough. And so uh, I had them losing this game 24-20. to I'll stick with it there, but I do think that win is kind of redefined in this instance to where even if they walk away from this without the W or the notch in the W column, but they feel really good about what they've got in Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater, it gives them what they need to shape up for that Week 4 game against the Cowboys at home.
0: Well, and I got to be honest, as a Saints fan looking around the division and what's going on in the South, I, I have to feel pretty good about my team, uh, even yep. as long as you can get by with, with those two quarterbacks until Drew Brees can come back and, and be healthy for that stretch run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a little bit of a poo-poo, a little bit of poo-poo division over here in the (laughs) NFC South, but, you know, they're going to make the best of it.
0: (laughs) Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Follow Ross on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC and check out his latest episode of Locked on Saints uh, talking about that two quarterback
1: solution. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Uh, such a pleasure to be here. Maybe we'll get to do this again if we if the two teams match up again in the uh, in the playoffs, and then you'll get all the dribries you want at that yeah, point. Yeah, looking
0: forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> and one more big thanks to Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast, lead analyst on All Saints Considered. And if you're looking for more content to check out before the game on Sunday, be sure and go to fieldgoals.com. Kenneth Arthur has a Know Your Enemy article with five questions and answers from Canal Street Chronicles. Tyler also points out that the Seahawks defensive line could be getting a boost compared to week two with Ziggy Anza set to make his Seahawks debut and Puna Ford looking to come back in week three after being out injured in week two against the Steelers. And finally, if you're looking at what to expect in this upcoming game against the Saints from quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, John Morgan. Breaks down some of the best and worst plays. Looking at the game tape from the Saints game against the Rams. Check that all out at fieldgoals.com. If you want to support this show as well as the Seahawkers podcast, you can go to getintheflock.com. Adam and I launched our latest show on Thursday, so you can check that out at seahawkerspodcast.com. And finally, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can go to sbnation.com forward slash NFL podcasts. And you can subscribe to the Field Goals podcast as well as the other NFL podcasts across the SB Nation network. Thanks for tuning in. Go Hawks.